0: Let's talk about your pneumonia. Pneumonia's doing well. Kyle, you're going to die.
1: Uh, one of these days we all will. Yeah, one of these but, days we all will.
0: But what's up with your lungs?
1: A little bit of mucus, a little bit of fluid uh, apparently. Yeah. Upper left, upper left quadrant, I suspect or I suppose. So I took NyQuil, I was telling Ross took NyQuil last night. I had a sleep. It's the first decent night's sleep I got since last Thursday. Um so I still think I'm under that influence a little bit. Not gonna lie, everything's dry and I'm drowsy, and hasn't been like that for a good six days. So, Ooh, so when this Kyle. when this podcast posts at nine o'clock tonight, yeah. now it'll make more I'll be sense. like, what? It only took me forty five minutes to edit. I don't know what you're talking about.
0: Man, yeah, that's... no, I'm
1: I'm okay. I'm getting I'm I think I'm getting better on an antibiotic. Told who's, me to take it easy for a few days.
0: Who's playing injured more, Kyle or Markel Fultz?
1: I'm honestly gonna say me. Gonna be honest. I, uh, I I had I was gonna do one Eagles post yesterday. I was like I slept three hours the night after the game. Was up late. Doctor told me to sleep. Gonna do one post. Gonna let everybody else do the posting. And I wound up basically being on my computer from seven thirty in the morning till six thirty last night with a two hour a two hour nap in there. So I'd say I would say I trooped it out for the uh, for for the reader. How does your wife feel when you do that? Oh, I don't think like, she like, cares. Like a solid 12 hours on the computer she doesn't care? I mean, I was like – why, because I was sick or just because I'm on the computer all the time? Just because you're on the computer all the time. Oh, um, yeah, I mean I'm working. It's If I had a job where I left the house at 7.30 and went out and got home at 6.30, like I still am home after neighbors leave for work and am off the computer generally before many of them get home, so – that's sort of my barometer to be like, hey, if I had a job I'd be working anyway.
0: So you, you and you and Markel Foltz both have fluid issues. Yours are in the lungs, and we don't know if Markel is getting injected fluid or removing fluid.
1: Definitely be definitely injected is the is the real answer. The his agent inexplicably misspoke to I don't know if he intentionally misspoke or what to Woj woge takes this agent's word as gospel and i guess he has a relationship with this guy the guy was willing to put his name on it and go on the record it wasn't just like a source thing so woge just writes the story based off of the agent saying fultz had his shoulder drained making it sound like it was recent and the fact that reporters didn't see faults at the practice facility yesterday led everyone to believe that oh That's where Fultz was. He was getting his shoulder drained. His agent says he can't raise his arms, which is clearly untrue because he's raising his arms on television. But it seemed bad. Turns out (coughs) Fultz did not have his fluid drained. On October 5th, he got a cortisone shot, which is much different. And um, it's basically just inflammation, I guess. He... The the Sixers, I don't know. I mean, reports came out last night that he's seen second opinions and it can't be made worse by um, playing, and and that's where we're at. And the agent had to correct his statement saying it was a cortisone shot, and they're working with the Sixers to, you know, get him better. So very weird, very weird situation.
2: Why does this always have to happen to our teams, and why does this always have to happen to the Sixers? Like always. You're right, like it's an inexplicable kind of statement for an agent to make. It's kind of unprecedented in, in, in its own way. I can't think of a time that there's been an agent who's come out so emphatically to somebody as big as Woj and just had has been, you know, I, I guess we can now take the team at their word if you choose to, that he was just wrong. Wrong in every way and really, you know, fanned the uh, the flames of panic.
0: Well, I have a theory as to why the most powerful that an agent can be in my opinion is during the draft of one of their big prospects because they control all the information they're super vocal all the time they're they're leading stories they're breaking information they're talking about what teams are interested what workouts they're doing all that stuff and I think that these agents, once these guys get drafted, still think that they have all this power. And I think that they still think that they're controlling the narrative. And the one player right now that needs his narrative controlled is Markel Foltz, who we can all admit looks weak compared to the other rookies right now in this class compared to like what we're getting out of him, what the expectations were. The guy he was traded for, Jason Tatum, I'm seeing plays all the time from. And I think this is like this self-conscious thing. And the true thing is, is agent, fall back. Like if you're the one that hooked him up with this coach, we have a big problem with you. If you're the one that's still telling him he's great, stop it. He's not your player anymore. He's the Sixers player now. And I, I don't know what it is, but that's my theory, is that the agent still thinks he has control and still thinks he has to control the narrative when really, just get out of here, dude, you're done. Like, in fact, like, Fultz was probably, like, I'm still, age, players are dropping agents all the time now. So I just think this is a, an agent wanting to have some control. It does. I wouldn't
1: blame him. Like, no, it, I don't blame him. He's, he's probably looking out. I don't know if he's, uh, yeah, I mean, What this probably is after the, the Woj thing came out, I talked to Kevin yesterday and uh, I give credit to him because he was the first one to immediately be like, uh, I've seen this before. Usually when agents say something, there's some sort of discord or miscommunication, um, you know, between them and the team. And it it was odd that the, the agent would make this announcement about a supposed procedure when the Sixers had just met with the media, like three hours earlier. And you know, say what you want about them hiding injuries and all that stuff. Like it wouldn't have made much sense for them to just like lie about it or not talk about if he was having fluid drain. That's a, you know, bigger deal than a cortisone shot. So I guess, yeah, I guess the agent was looking out for his own good, maybe trying to spin a little bit of his struggles to be like, look, he's really been hurt. Maybe there was some frustration there with, I don't know, the way he'd been handled, who knows. But (laughs) what he said was wrong. And in, you know, not only factually wrong, but, you know, wrong in the way it misled the timing. Um, Fultz, I guess by some accounts is, you know, is improving in terms of like the pain level, but it's definitely impacted his shot. But yeah, it, it's definitely,
2: it's it really have disappointing. tape on
1: his shoulder anymore, which has to be at least somewhat of a sign of improvement. I refuse to believe that tape does anything, but. It totally does. But uh, Carrie Walsh wore it in the Olympics. She won two gold medals with that tape on her shoulder. Boom. There you go. The women's Olympic, Olympic hero. She is an Olympic hero. That sport is an Olympic hero. Um, and Misty be, May Trainer, I got you. The got Walsh guy. Um, soon to be passed by Poulvall. Uh, Are dancing. you
0: cool with Fold sitting out for the year?
1: No, at this point, because he doesn't need way. to. No, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> at this Jeez, point, hold on. zero to sixty. Hold, whoa,
2: <laughs> hold the phone, left. Go. Well,
1: Good yeah, God, here,
0: here's the reason. Uh, I don't know if the shooting is all shoulder, if it's half shoulder, if it's half shooting motion, if it's half Ricky and Keel mental problem. Uh, I just – I don't want Fultz out there anymore either making the injury worse or making his mental worse or his shot worse. Is that for him or for the team? uh, For him. I want him – you know what? Because the thing that Russ said is – like. I just saw how bad the Sixers were the other day without Embiid, and I know we're going to get twenty to thirty of those games. And I guess I'm just looking at Fultz right now, and I'm going, man, I just, I just want him to shut it down. Not for the whole season, I get it, but shut it down for like a good amount of time, because it's just not worth it to exacerbate any of those issues.
1: There, yeah, I think there's a reasonable case to be made for giving him at least a few weeks. Like, it is very easy to do. Like, hey, his shoulder's inflamed. It's bothering his shot. It's doing more harm to good. We're just going to, you know, we're just going to let him heal up a little bit and bring him back. I think that's reasonable. The problem you probably run into, especially now, is like, oh, God, they're, you know, they're benching a guy because he's inside his own head after four NBA games. Like, that is the way that could look. But, but it know. structure. Stru- Here's the thing. But apparently, the shoulder is structurally fine. He's got some inflammation. Like, it could just be a run-of-the-mill thing. Um, the reports last night, he's gotten second opinions. Like, it sounds like there are doctors in agreement that, hey, there's nothing really wrong with it, just a little bit of pain, give him a shot, he'll work his way through it, it'll get better, it's not a huge deal. Yeah, it's screwing with his shot now, yeah, yeah, he looks ridiculous, but we're forgetting, and Brett Brown keeps harping on this, and I'll take Brett Brown in his word, Um Take even Fultz at his word in in some of his post-game interviews. He's out there learning to to play in the NBA on defense, learning to play within the offense. Like, his shot is a big part of his offensive game, 100%, and he's not nearly the player we, we thought or wanted without that shot, but he still has a lot of other things to learn on the court. So I don't, like, you know... The Sixers aren't winning a championship this year. Let him play. Let him work through it. All these guys are going to struggle. He's just doing it more than others right now. But I said so, there's a lot of stuff he could do on the court and learn on the court. Having him sit on the bench is is not helping. I don't think helps him get better. It's not like he I don't should know. sit.
2: He should sit for two weeks.
1: Maybe there, there's there's but,
2: something to be said for he's a 19 year old kid and you pick up some pretty bad habits when you are trying to adjust the way that you play the game because of pain. And if it in any way, like we've seen his shot look awful. We've seen his, his jump shot right now. The way that the, the trajectory of it being so flat reminds me almost of like of Andre Miller. And that's not Fultz's shot. Go back and watch him at Washington. This is not, this is not the same kid. And I don't want to see this 19 year old kid get so far in his own head about, you know, I, I have to, let me say this first. He's a kid who facially, you know, we've said in the past, and even the way that he plays the game, doesn't necessarily look like he is the most engaged or hard nosed. But the fact that he as a nineteen year old is trying to play that's through pain. It's a take, by and, the way. No, I'm saying that's that's what people have said about him. But he
1: uh, he doesn't I mean he looks just because he looks nonchalant doesn't mean he's not
2: playing hard. That's what I'm getting to. Okay. So what I'm saying is I think it there is something to be said for a nineteen year old rookie playing through pain and trying to still help his team win. Like, we know that there are prima donnas in the league who obviously would have, the the immediate second that they had a hangnail, would have uh, pulled themselves out of the lineup. The fact that he's playing through some discomfort that led to a cortisone shot, I think is at least uh, a little bit reaffirming of, of kind of what kind of player they thought they were getting and what kind of a, you know, a, a tougher player they were getting. But I do think they need to shut him down for 2 weeks. You don't want him to, to change his mechanics and now have, you know, a slight change in his muscle memory where like once he does regain full uh full range of motion, like you don't want that to affect what he's actually going to do. Now, I guess the counter to that is whenever he's been in a really uh, you know, tough situation coming across, you know, going through the paint and he's
1: operating on instinct, his shot has looked normal. So, but he also th- I would say he also you know, this might explain hey, why is Markel Fultz passing up open three-pointers? This It could very be it could very much be intentional. Like, yes, his shoulder's hurting. Yes, his shot is screwy. You know what? Just just don't shoot when you're out there. Yeah, but you're putting I wouldn't him in a be surprised if that's that a team, Fultz, coach, medical doctors, you know, all like, look, if, if it hurts you, don't shoot. Yeah, it's going to impact your game for a little while, and it's going to suck, and and you're going to you're going to hear about it from the echo chamber but yeah don't don't make it worse than it already is both in terms of pain and in terms of like screwing with your shot more than it's been just just go out there and drive and uh, drive and kick and be a little bit one-dimensional and yeah, play but you're on not, the bench like that's now that's not that helping him be successful it but Russ, it it, it might be they, him How? still playing him still playing in the nba against nba second units is definitely helping him on the defensive end of the court he's still learning about positioning on offense he's still able to get out there and play in NBA games like yes it does not help his offensive stats it does not help him to be an effective offensive player but it still help. like you know if if he's able to compartmentalize the struggle there's still many other things on the court that you could be benefited by playing that sitting on the bench is is ultimately not going to do so he's
0: playing through discomfort I kind of want to do a little playing through discomfort check Russ how are we right now uh, with you and your situation.
2: I'm all right. I'm getting there. Okay. I, I, if you got to go, man. All right. I appreciate it. Squatty potty. You know, speaking, one. speaking of which, uh, things that took a crap last night, thanks to the Flyers for that 6-2 shellacking they received at home by the Anaheim Ducks. That was great. Thanks, Brian Elliott. Thank you, Ron Hextall, for acquiring yet another mediocre goalie to lead this team to, well... <laughs> That's yeah. bad. And then speaking of young guys who are top draft picks who are now injured, Nolan Patrick took a, a blow to the head. It looked like he got, you know, somewhat boarded last Uh-oh. night. Uh ends up in the press box during the third period, which might be a good sign. Typically a guy who's concussed, they're not going to uh send up to the press box. He's gonna go for further evaluation, so might have just been a little bit of a stinger, but hey,
0: and uh speaking about draft picks that are fucking awesome and are undoubtedly a top five quarterback and everyone who doubted him can just absolutely suck it. And it's so good to be right. The Philadelphia freaking Eagles are six and one. And Carson Wentz is the Don. He is the player off the field that we've dreamed about. He is the player on the field that we've dreamed about. All of those trades were so worth it. All of those people that have doubted him, I just hope that they watched and they were like, "Oh my god, how am I going to spin this right now?" And the Eagles are six and one.
1: Byron oh. Maxwell getting hurt. Oh, um, no, getting cut. Uh, I'm sorry, getting cut. That's, that's great. That's, that's like the, the that's day after. Yeah, the day after that is oh. that is the icing on top. How's Kiko doing? Kiko's uh, actually good, playing actually. well. Yeah, All right, good for Kiko. Good job. Yeah, I liked
2: yeah.
0: him. Um, hey, we got a good play out of Kiko. The Atlanta Falcons interception was a pretty awesome play. Good
1: point. What people don't remember about Kiko is he was really he was hurt when he was after he got hurt twice, uh, and he was a, he was a shell of himself the whole year.
0: Kiko was always the guy in that trade that was the upside part for the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Well, he was upside part for the Eagles
1: when they traded McCoy. Exactly. Yeah. Dude, Wentz looked, Wentz looked, I mean, like, if when you look at his stat, he only completed 17 passes. I forget exactly. I take that
0: as such a big thing. No, it's a good Uh, thing.
1: Yeah, I, I know. I'm not, I'm not knocking him. I'm saying when you look, if you just were to look at his stat line other than the four touchdowns, you'd be like, okay, cool. But then, I mean, those throws that he was making, the decisions that he was making, like that, that was the full Monty we got from him. His ability to run the ball his ability to evade pressure and withstand pressure i mean, coming him coming out of that scrum and running what everyone's making a huge deal he just got there's a big part if you watch it from the other angle he got pretty lucky all the blockers sort of wrapped themselves up and everyone forgot to touch Wentz but it was so like indicative of man this guy just doesn't eight out of ten quarterbacks just fall on their back in that situation um you, you know, so his ability to use his legs. But those touchdown throws that he made, particular to one to Clement, I mean, just just ridiculous. And then he's up there changing plays at the line, purple 65, red beard. Um, while, that, while he was doing that, the camera flashed onto one of the uh, Redskins' defensive linemen, and you could see him looking around like, oh, shit, what's this guy doing? Like, clearly had no idea, you know, what was going on. And, you know, for him to, to audible out of that and throw the touchdown to Aguilar, I mean, that he looks like at times Peyton Manning doing that. He looks like Aaron Rodgers taking the hit in the pocket and slinging a ball to the corner of the end zone. Really oh, that awesome Mac, stuff. That Mac Collins touchdown. And he gets the crushed. longest air, he gets, the longest he gets crushed to the play before and then puts it. What was it sixty in the in the air? Sixty-two point eight, which is the longest. I guess a pass, a completed pass, has traveled in the air in two full seasons in the NFL or since the beginning of last season.
0: And those are air yards, right?
1: Yeah, from the time it left his hand to the fucking time it idiots. was caught. Unbelievable,
0: dude! I'm so fucking tired of all these these people that. Who are that, these people? Call them out. No, I don't do want it, to, Adam. They're, no, they're Come not on. worth my time. No, they're not. I don't. I don't give people that I don't care about time. Uh, go, go, fight for clicks. Um, my, oh dang! Oh, my,
2: oh hey, really quick. I'm sorry. I'm gonna totally derail you. How did you feel about the athletics uh, owners calling Bleacher Report empty calories? I just want to get you while you're mad.
0: Uh, the only thing I'm gonna say to that is anyone that wants to be the villain, and then the next day comes out and apologizes for their comments. Sounds like the athletics going to be another poorly run newspaper. Like, if you are going to be the villain, be the villain. If you are going to if you are going to say you are going to take down and bleed out newspapers, don't come out the next day and then go, "Oh, I apologize for my comments. I am learning." No, be the villain.
1: Uh, like, I I a hundred percent agree with you. By the way, it's like ridiculous. If, like, and people people knock Portnoy at Barstool, um, but the thing you know, the thing where you got to give him credit is like he makes, there's no one who does it better in like sports media who makes no bones about being like, this is what we are. So if, if these guys from the athletic want to say that stuff, you're right. Just say it own being like, own the fact you look better when you're like, look, if he comes out and says, this is business. I said this because these are our competitors and these are the realities of business everywhere. Like, no one would argue with that because it's true but when you say it and then you back down now you make it seem like you said something that was more controversial than it really was it was just something it was just douchey it was just straight up douchey
0: it was it was because you know what just say hey we're here to make the industry better and if you can't handle it you can't handle it uh the thing about carson wentz like only completing 17 passes in this era of this last five ten years of check down passes and screen passes uh, and all these guys like completing like 30 for like 230 we have a quarterback that's like 17 for 300. like all of his passes are big time throws all of his runs are awesome. Uh, his ability to now call a game at the line of scrimmage is a complete game changer. And their ability to stay on the field time and time and time again and give this defense tons of breaks is is so huge. Like, they're number one in time of possession, which is unbelievable. We're always going to get the LeGarrette blunt dagger and the heart run at the end of games now. Like it's a staple of this team. <laughs> Zach Ertz continues to be the baller that we. I I just I can't believe it. They played a Zach Ertz montage in that game, like a montage from this year of all the big plays he's had. And, and in week I, seven. I was I was at a wedding on Sunday, and that's why I wasn't able to make Monday, and I apologize. But I was surrounded by Eagles fans that live in Philly, and. I guess I hadn't felt that juice yet because I've only been around Eagles fans like in New York, and my like What does Neil the juice I, feel like? The juice feels like that you that it's Super Bowl. Is it hot? And and I didn't realize it was. I didn't realize that Eagles fans were really letting them think Super Bowl yet. Like I'm sitting here going, I don't want to talk about it. It's Week Seven. It's kind of crazy. And then I was at a wedding where everybody's like Adam. We're the team of destiny. Like, my friend Neil could be like, we're the team of destiny. Everything is breaking our way. Aaron Rodgers is gone. We were sitting there, and Carson Palmer breaks his arm. He's like, Zeke suspension will be upheld. I said, dude, if Zeke suspension's upheld, like, if it happens right before the Eagles, um, I'm thinking, man, everything really is breaking their way, other than the injuries, of course, and... God bless Jason Peters. That was one of the most incredible scenes I have ever seen. Like everybody coming out like that. And I actually think the Jordan Hicks injury might even be bigger. I agree with that. Uh, Just because I feel like Peters has been like coming out of games and missing games. And I don't know why I'm seeing all these reports about other tackles. They should look at Holly, Polly volley played a ton last year. He's got a lot of experience (laughs) and they have a lot of guys also. (laughs) I love saying his name. It's fantastic. I love
1: hearing you say it. Can you say it I again? I think he's happy. I think you're happy Peter's got hurt just so you could Say it again. It Adam, say the name.
0: Holly Polly Volley vitae? One more time. Holly Polly Volley vitae. All right,
1: one mm. more time. Mm.
0: I, I think one it's so more, funny that that draft Harder. Harder. I had to practice saying Holly Polly Volley Vitae. Why poly, do you valley, have to vitae? take it
1: there? Kyle. Uh, NyQuil. I'm on NyQuil. No, that's not the reason,
0: Kyle. <laughs> that's not
1: why at all. That isn't. Kyle likes penises.
2: Um,
0: he to, <laughs> he, I don't know. He likes talking about him. It comes up.
1: I was talking All about right. a penis. I don't know where you're going. Oh, no.
0: All right. Really the, quick. The only, the whole, the only thing I want to say other than that, just to wrap it up, one, so happy Derek Barnett continues to prove me wrong. Uh, even though his first sack was against Jordan Reed, I still think that he is an impact player on every play. And also – The Eagles played multiple safety sets. And if that's what happens with Jordan Hicks, I'm about to lose my shit because it's all I've wanted from them for like the last year and a half. And Jenkins is amazing. Like so so fucking good. uh, Patrick, uh, what what is the guy's name? Patterson?
1: Cornerback. Robinson. I know. I am want to wait. wait, wait, There we go. There we go.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're There's right. like four Patrick, words that all sort of yes. like work together there. Yeah. Patrick Robinson and Rasul Douglas. Holy shit. If they get Darby back, like everyone's just playing to their potential right now. I'm not a huge Joe Walker guy, but this defense is going to be so rested later in the year because of the amount of time the Eagles' offense is on the field. And now they get the Niners this week. It's just. I'm fucking feeling it, and I don't want to say things that I that are gonna get ahead of ourselves. But fuck all the haters. Is
2: anybody fuck else them. worried? Is there any reason to be worried about this being a trap game? The of Niners course. game, like they they played some close games.
0: I just don't think the, the Niners have the talent, and I think that CJ Beathard is not good. And. That's that's why it could be a trap game, but it's also Russ, a one o'clock game on the East Coast for a West Coast team, which is a huge advantage. Um and yeah, it could be a trap what? game on a short week, sure. But it's the fucking Niners. I'm looking the at the
1: line. Eagles. I'm looking at the line now. What is it? Um, I haven't even looked. Oh, wait, it opened no? no, it opened it minus twelve. It is gone. Oh minus thirteen. That is borderline unheard of. Well,
2: that's what happens that's when you have an MVP candidate as, well, a, as your quarterback. I'm going to do
0: my part as the mush to bet on the Niners.
1: Um, I don't know, man. That line is so high. The Eagles are projected to score 30 points, 30 to 17 is the current the over. So the over under 47. Eagles 13 point favorites that shakes out 30 to 17. I mean that's the that's the highest implied total uh, easily on the whole slate, and that the line. I don't know if I've seen a minus thirteen all year. Have you, Adam?
0: Uh, yeah. Uh, well the the Broncos and the Dolphins they were at what eleven and twelve. Uh, the Patriots I feel like had a thirteen. I don't really? know. It's definitely That's it's high. definitely top three.
1: Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I'm feeling good about that. I the Eagles are too good. Like I agree. Maybe there's a little trap game element to it here. You got the bye week coming up. The emotional Monday night win. Um, I mean, well, that's, hold on. I want to hear what largely I was, like, for you guys
0: watching Monday night. Like, did you, were you guys pinching yourself? Well? It was
1: unreal. Unreal. I was
2: coughing. usually, <laughs> usually on those late night games, I fall asleep at some point, like right before halftime and I wake up like mid mid halftime fall asleep again. And, like I'm in and out of sleep. Like Kyle on NyQuil until somewhere in like the late in the third quarter, early in the fourth, I drag myself upstairs and put it up on the tablet. I was so awake because I was so engaged. I, well I was engaged in two the things. incredible be, life between us. I know. I was in I was like really, really excited. I think I tweeted out, like is- when's the last time you had a team that you could enjoy watching on defense as much as on offense? Because I get such a thrill out of just watching that front seven collapse every pocket and nearly get to the quarterback every time, led by, of course, as you pointed out, Derek Barnett, who, uh, I think, yeah, he had a team high five quarterback pressures. 29 pass attempts, two sacks, three hurries. Um, he he looked really good, but that, that front seven is just incredible. And I, I get almost as much of a thrill out of watching them as I do Carson Wentz, you know, pulling a Houdini in the middle of the field. Uh, that call was fantastic, both on TV and on the radio. Um, and then hey, I was call? flipping call? The, the one where uh, Wentz, you know, was, was collapsed in on. We all thought that he was, he was taken down. And then he popped out like he w- he got the uh, little gold star in Super Mario Brothers. Oh, the pop, Sean pop, McDonough pop, call.
0: Pop, pop, there we go. <laughs> so that was
2: that was awesome. And then I was also flipping between that and Ben Simmons' first triple double, which we didn't get to talk about. And Joel and- dropping, dropping thirty, 30 on mm-hmm. and Andre Drummond, who hashtag yeah, uh, defense. And yeah, and yeah, exactly. And then saying that Drummond, you know, had had come in talking trash about how he was going to own him and how. Uh, that did not go remotely Children's his way. Like a so,
1: child next dude, there was there is nothing quite Hashtag like #WorldWideGenocide.
2: I I'm not. Li- I maybe I should leave. That would be a good way to leave, wouldn't it? Why? Maybe I would. Well, would because be I, I changed. The, I changed. The, I changed the topic. Uh, but I'm just saying, like, going between those two games and finally having, excuse me, reasons to be excited about Philadelphia teams was nice. And then you know the days that followed kind of crashed a bunch of things back to the ground. But Uh, this, this Eagles team is, is a heck of a thing to watch. And Carson Wentz, I have to apologize to, I want to take the moment to apologize to Carson because early in the season, I was finding myself getting frustrated with the way that he was extending plays. And I, I kept expecting the Nick Foles or the Kevin Cobb hit that takes him out for a few games and the kid's just tough and he's not extending plays just for the sake of extending it. He, he legitimately can extend the play and, and get a first down or can make a game-changing play. He's he's unbelievable. And now it's going to be fun to watch Donovan McNabb continue to come out on national TV. Uh, I I want to see if he pivots to saying that he is the real deal or if he's going to double down on his efforts to delegitimize Carson Wentz.
0: Speaking of Donovan, I'm so fucking tired of all these national pundits talking about how Jared Goff and Carson Wentz are equal. Like, it's not even fucking close. Sean McVay... Is dialing out this amazing offense that Goff isn't even executing every week, and it's like a shitload of Todd Gurley, and and they're comparing it to Carson Wentz, who's literally like escaping and throwing bombs and turning Mac Hollins into like this next great wide, like it's not even fucking close, but. All these guys that said Goff was definitely the number one pick have to back up their fucking claims so they don't sound like an asshole. But we all can see that Carson Wentz is clearly better than him. But I still got guys like Donovan being like, "Well, he might be. He's one of the, the top quarterback in that class." And it's like, shut the fuck up, dude! Like, it's Carson Wentz, and it's not even close. And I'm it's just so annoying. These agendas still carrying over two years later.
1: I think what you're saying is people who want to, um, like he is the number one pick. He didn't do anything last year, so now you're seeing people like, "All right, here he comes. Here's the number one pick, and he's the quarterback of a good team, and he is playing well." Like I, I and I know you know, I know you know that Goff is playing. Yeah, he is. yeah he he's is playing, playing well. well. He's not playing nearly as well as Wentz. He's not but, playing as good
0: as Dak or Wentz. Right, Dak is so much better than Jared Goff. It's crazy.
1: Right, but I think there was a perception last year that, uh uh-oh, you know, you heard some the rumblings that Goff wasn't too intelligent and he's not getting in games and he hasn't looked great. And, you know, I mean, again... You're in a you're in a Jeff Fisher offense at that point. Yes,
0: he's a uh, lot better than last year, but he's still not in the same ballpark as Dak Wentz. Right? No,
1: totally. I think there's just people trying to put them on the level because it makes it makes for a really great narrative. If you're the number one, number two picks, the quarterbacks, two of the best teams in the NFC, let's let's call them equal. The same way you want to do equate Dak and and Wentz last year. And I still think that Dak the Dak Wentz thing, like Dak's a really good quarterback, and I I, I never want to get at the, at the moment at least get into that. You know, Skip ballas is, is is gonna make his next um you know five years about this. But honestly, they're both just really good quarterbacks. And Dak yeah. played better last year. Wentz is playing better right now. Um everything I just think I think it's so funny. We go back to the first three weeks of this podcast and we talk about, we're talking about, all right, well, Wentz is really kind of still struggling with the deep ball. And you had people, at least on our site, like guys like Sean, and we're like, all right, well, let's break down all the plays. And there's some reasons why there's some inaccurate throws, but a lot of times being pressured the running bad. The receiver's not in the right spot. There's genuine reasons for this. He should regress to completing some of these. And then we're like, well, he's not doing the timing routes. And he's scrambling around for a little while. And it's like all these little, not that we were like trying to kill him, but there were still things that had to be improved upon. And you thought, all right, over the course of maybe the, his next full season of his career, he can maybe start to chip away at these things. It's like four weeks later, and we've had several weeks of him now being able to throw the ball over the top, uh, culminating in the massive deep ball to Matt Collins, the literally the longest throw in two years in the NFL. When he runs around, yes, he uses his legs and and still maybe is out as an eligible to be tackled player more than you'd like him to in the long term, using his legs, taking a little bit of a beating, but he's doing it effectively. He's not running around aimlessly. He's not Russell Wilson just flailing about back there. He's running effectively. Um, They're using short timing passes. I mean, they're doing the offense just looks terrific. And to me, like, I'm most impressed. They came off that first quarter and you're like uh-oh. Uh-oh, they started 3 and 0 last year and this is exactly how they looked after that bye week. And like is it going to happen again that we get screwed by a little bit of a layoff and now an- another bye week in a week because you know after they were playing our best football but for them to come back and find their footing so quickly, it's like they found the footing and then they just went. Like there wasn't like a slow build up. It took a few series they got your timing down, they got rid of the penalties, and it was like, nope, we're, we are actually a good football team and we're here to stay. Like That to me was the most impressive, the best sign of, hey, this wasn't just a fluke, wasn't just a hot team on a little bit of a good run. They They hit the reset button, they struggled. You look at what the Falcons, the fucking Falcons did against the Patriots on Sunday night. That was embarrassing. I fell asleep in the fourth quarter. I know there was a touchdown in there.
0: Steve Sarkeesian. That was hey, disgusting. We just lost the best offensive mind in the NFL. So let's go get a guy that got fired for alcohol problems, who hasn't done, hasn't had a good offense at any place he's really gone. It's been super average. Like, what were they thinking?
1: That yeah, was I don't so know. Dumb. But like to me, it's like, man, there's a team that probably has more overall talent and is in the Super Bowl last year. And it's like, I, w- I remember wa- I watching the game, I was thinking to myself, man, if the Eagles ever went on national TV and had this sort of offensive display, I cannot imagine like Eagles Twitter, Sports Talk Radio callers, I could not imagine what would happen. And when I'm watching the first quarter Monday night, I'm thinking, oh God, they're doing exactly what the Falcons did last night. I mean, they went backwards, what, 23 yards on their first drive. I'm like, oh God, It's happening. But then they just sort of like, all right, nope, nope, we got our footing there. There's the pocket, and let's go. Uh, that that to me was the most impressive part of all this. I think. Look, well, I don't know uh, if they're a Super Bowl. Like, yes, are they? Uh, hold on, are they clearly the best team in the NFC right now, uh, without question, right? And should they now be competing for a bye and thinking about? Conference home field advantage and all that. Absolutely, you're six and one. You're you most likely are going to be seven one heading into the break. You've beat you know you have tiebreakers against uh, you know at least one or two teams. You would help to have a tiebreaker against. All good stuff, Um, you know. But I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because last year. I, I always go back to those conversations like they're not losing a division game like let's pump the brakes I don't I did not like how the broadcast kept s- pointing out that their schedule is the third easiest in the NFL like yes by record I know the Broncos offenses look dreadful I know the Cowboys are going to lose Zeke but you know they still do have to play the Cowboys tough and I, I twice and I think the Cowboys are, are a good team uh, without Zeke and I mean putting up 40 on San Fran Yeah, San Fran sucks Think the Cowboys are going to be a tough test. It's a divisional opponent. That's not; a, those aren't gimmies. The Broncos are not a gimme. Their defense is still good enough to cause you problems. The Raiders, the, is the not Raiders, a gimme. thank you, are clearly not a gimme. And the Rams, you got they got a stretch where they have to go out to Seattle. I know they look horrible right now, and it's taken the
0: Giants are not a fucking gimme. Think about it. the Eagles needed a miracle sixty-one yard field goal to win that game at home, right? And it's a divisional game. The fact that we sweep Washington is incredible. Right. Because I can't remember that that last time that happened, but Dallas is a really tough matchup because the one thing that the Eagles the the one team they faced was Kareem Hunt that had a really good running back and they really haven't faced a really good running back since. I mean they did well against Melvin Gordon, we talked about this before, but Dallas with Zeke is a kind of team that could flip that time of possession and that would be tough, but Um, I think I look at the Eagles right now in the NFC. I go, Dallas is a team that we'll be competing with. Vikings are a team that'll be tough. The Saints are a team that will be tough. And the Seahawks and Rams. Those are the five teams that I look at as competitors for the Eagles in the NFC.
1: And they have to play them all. Well, not all of them, but you you have the Cowboys twice, and then they have a trip out to Seattle and then the Rams on back to back weeks. That as bad as the Seahawks look right now. No one ever wants to yeah. go play in Seattle
0: in Seattle's really fucking tough. And we'll see, you know, the, the thing that I always worry about when you play the Rams is Sean McVay is going to find a hole in that defense. But those are the teams I see as the true competitors for the Eagles. Um, but they're playing fucking great. And Doug Peterson, I apologize. Uh, He's got this squad together. Uh, I'm actually going to go on a rant on Sims and Lefko today about um, how the Eagles are actually America's team. Just the storylines right now are are un- incredible, and the storylines coming out of Dallas are despicable. And I think it's time that we took that title from them as America's team.
1: Well, yeah, I, uh, I mean, I would like to take it. I don't know if uh, I don't know if the rest of the country is going to agree.
0: But my friend asked me this, Dan: uh, Would you rather have lost that game but kept Peters and Hicks, or won the game and lost them?
1: Mm. I mean, in the short, that's
0: the, appro- that's the appropriate response. Mm. Yeah, that's exactly what I did.
1: Yeah, in the uh, in the near term, in the heat of the moment, you're like, well, you know, we got to take this game. In hindsight, the you know the Hicks, as good as Hicks is, um, I still and is. Peters isn't quite the player he used to be, and he, there always is. He's always missing plays, and there, he always feels like he's one injury away. Someone tweeted me, they're like, man, how many times have we thought Peters is done for his career? This might legit be it. Um, you can't just you're not just going to bounce back from the MCL, ACL thing. But as good as Hicks is, the linebacking core, while maybe not super deep, there's a lot, there's a lot of talent there. Um I, you know, left tackle, there's a reason why left tackle is the most important position on the field. And you may not have seen it against the Redskins. You may be like, all right, Vitae came in in and did a good job. But now you're going to have teams, they're going to have entire weeks on how to, scheming how to attack that left side. I mean, that's your quarterback's blind side. Like, I'm just, I'm, I'm nervous now because we might not, we might not notice it. The Eagles might be good enough and, and Vitae might do a decent enough job for us. Not to notice until Wentz Wentz gets blindsided and gets hurt. Like, that's my fear. Not saying it's going to happen, but, you know... Let's see
0: how they game plan. Do they put a tight end over on that side more? Do they chip more with a running back on the left side? You know, the the key is his lane. Hold down the fucking right so that we can focus on the left. I I don't want to move Lane. No. I don't think he's that great as a left tackle. I think his career is at a right tackle... I think Holly Puli Vali Vitae has played a lot at left tackle. Um, but let's see how they help him out over there.
1: Right. And when you move a guy like that, then you weaken two positions. Exactly. So now, now you've, you know, you've limited, it's the old video game thing where you could play, you know, Manny, you could play any guy in any position, but when you, when you move that guy, his, his ratings change based upon the position. It's like, you know, you get 85% of Lane Johnson at left. Now you have Vitae at right. And he's, you know he's not good anyway, and now you've hurt two positions. The thing we is, used
0: to move ninety-five wide re- speed wide receivers to quarterback. That was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, my uh, my wit is is not here today. Um, the thing is, when you start moving guys to the left side of the line, uh, and you have guys chipping, or you're leaving a tight end there the block. Like it, you know. I don't like the the ripple effects of this, or the other thing that concern you. Like all right, now you got a tight uh, a wide receiver or a sorry, Jesus Christ. A running back staying back to block or chipping. So that it impacts your your checkdown guys and some of your passing routes or the effect in this year tight ends, which you know, doesn't open up the middle of the field quite as much. Like there's all these like little ripple effects of doing things like this. That's why I think the Peters thing is is bigger. As good as Hicks has been, there you know, there's 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 enough linebackers, enough talent, and it's easier to kind of scheme a cohesive unit plan. Whereas on offense, you, it really helps to have one guy who you know is just I got your back, like literally got your back, dude. That's that's concerning because it's concerning because Carson Wentz is the franchise, you know, is the franchise, and you know all it takes, all it takes is one play, and those left tackles make all that money because, you know, they can't, they can't, they can't falter once. And uh, that's it. All it takes is once.
0: Yep. But overall, though, um, man, Simmons and Embiid look great. <coughs> Wentz looks great. Fucking Philadelphia looks great. It's a lot better than we were five, six months ago. Simmons super good.
1: Simmons. I mean, you, you turn on around the horn, any of these shows, PTI. I mean, I was you know I spent a lot of time on the couch watching TV the last four days. They're all talking about the Sixers. The one and three Sixers—they are a story everywhere. The process has just become, uh, you know, a catch-all for the Sixers. It's crazy, um, like the phrase, like literally the phrase, the process. Um, you know, they're all talking about Simmons. You got—I uh, forget who it was on. Uh, this, this is this is bad. Uh, I don't know. Oh, Cowherd show. Uh, I forget who was on Cowherd show. It was to, uh, Broussard maybe. Was saying, yeah. and I know he, he likes to hear himself talk a little bit, but he's like, You could have the next Magic and Kareem and Simmons and Embiid. And like, he said it somewhat tongue in cheek, and you know, they kind of laughed, but but not really joking. And consider Simmons putting up a triple double, something LeBron didn't do till January of his second season. He's the first player to do it in his fourth game, and like, he's the third player ever in the first in like 40 some years um, to do it. It's, that is downright remarkable. Um, and he, he approached it in the third game, and he's had a solid double-double in the first two games, and he had five assists in each of those. Like, he is so <clears throat> so well-rounded. It's, if he ever develops a shot and reliable free-throw stroke, stroke will be unstoppable. you got to talk. I can't talk anymore.
0: Yeah, I think that's actually a good time to wrap it up. I think you summed it up perfectly. Uh, we'll be back Friday. Russ, uh, I hope it went well for you, pal. I know you're still listening. Kyle, feel better, get rest, keep posting, Uh, and go Eagles. So sisters, go Flyers. Go Phillies. We will be back. Wet Friday. Love y'all, guys.